All right, I just want to encourage you guys uh, with this word right here, quick word. I'm making a long story short. Um, me and my wife, uh, we got married a couple months ago, amen, and uh, we, were, we didn't have a place to live. We were living actually in my mother's home. Um, they blessed us and let us stay there for a while, and we were literally living in a room, okay? And uh, we were renting out, we were going to rent out a third floor apartment, but it wasn't ready yet. And we were kind of, I think, dragging, being a little lazy on it. And then God spoke to me one day through Joshua right here, and I'm going to encourage you guys right here. All right, so these are the people after they, the Jews, after they come and conquer the land. God has promised them Israel, and then God goes right here. The whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control. But there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So Joshua said to the Israelites, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? God spoke that to me and said, when will you go take possession of the land? And for me, it was an apartment, something simple, you know. I mean, I would like to take a lot of land, but I'll take the apartment for now. <laughs> Amen. But for you guys, when will you take possession of that land? Well, when you get on your knees and pray for your family members that are dying and going to hell? <laughs> or at your schools, you know, your teachers, your classmates, whatever that land is for you, take possession of it. The Lord has promised it to you. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to pray for everybody, and we're going to pray for the service. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for your word that, that you said will last forever, even though the heavens and earth will fade away. I pray for everybody here that they will take possession of the land that you have promised us, God. I pray for the worship. I pray for the word. I pray for the service and the tithes and everything, Lord. I pray that you will be with us and bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. How many of you guys are excited to be in the house of God? Put those hands together. Come on.
relationship is with God right now, let's just call on the name of Jesus. Come on, if it's the first time you've even said his name in a long time, or you just spoke to him this morning, I want you to lift up his name. Say, Jesus. Jesus, you're welcome right here. Come on, tell him, say, Jesus. You're welcome right here. Come on, the Bible says when we lift him up, he draws all men to himself. Come on, as we're lifting up the name of Jesus in this place, he is drawing our hearts closer to him. Come on, close your eyes all over this room. He's drawing you near. We lift you up, Jesus. Draw us unto yourself, Lord. We want to see you. We want to know you. We want to touch you, Jesus, because you're so close. You're so close this morning. Come on, just call on his name. Jesus, I need you, Lord. to the downtrodden. He brings freedom from sadness and depression. Woo, come on. At the name of Jesus. We're going to sing this song and it talks just about that, that there's power in his name. And I know we've sung this before, but I want you to sing this this morning in authority, declaring who the Son of God is. He is Jesus. And he is here in this place. There is power
Come on, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, come on, I want you to speak in tongues right now and break those chains in the spirit. your fire go out this morning. You let your fire go out. Come on, just raise your hands and say, fire of God, burn in me. Come on, burn in me. Respond to this word this morning. Let your light shine before men. Come on. You let that fire die out. Come on, raise your hands and say, God, light that fire in me again. Holy Spirit, light a fire in my bones, in my belly, Jesus. Come on, you haven't spoken tongues in a long time. That's you. Come on, light that fire. You haven't cried in his presence in a long time. Light that fire. Come on. Light that fire.
Hallelujah. Let's respond to that word right now. If that's you, raise your hands in this place. Rachel, I want you to go back to break every chain, break every chain. I want you to sing that again. There is power in this place because we worship a living God because Jesus is alive today. There is power in his name. There is power in his name. power in the name of Jesus. If you need to be free in this place, there is power in Jesus' name for you. Every addiction, every false religion, whatever it is that bounds you today, you can be free today. Whatever it is, depression has to go. Depression has to go. Your sadness has to go in the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. There is power! There is power! There is power! Yes, Lord. My God, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. Come on and lift your hands. We're not done yet. Lift your hands and sing that out to the Lord. Our God, he breaks chains. That's what he does. He's in the business of setting people free. He's in the business of deliverance. He is in that business. So lift your hands and speak it out. Our God, he's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. Every chain broken.
It is a lie to think that your sin is more powerful than God. There is no addiction more powerful than God. He can break your addictions today. He can break your addictions with one word, one word, one touch from Jesus, and you will be set free. One touch. It doesn't take a 12-step program. It doesn't take months and years. It takes one step to Jesus Christ today. One step, one step to Jesus Christ. It's your decision. It's your decision to be free. It's your decision. God, we ask you that you would break everything off of the lives of these people today, God. Every addiction to pornography, God. Every addiction to sexual immorality, whatever it may be, God. We break it off today in Jesus' name. The anger, oh God, the suicidal thoughts, oh God, go on in Jesus' name. We break every chain in the name of Jesus. Addictions to cigarettes, addictions to drugs, addictions to alcohol, oh God. Addictions to masturbation, God, we break it off today, today. It's gone, it's gone. We break it off your people today. Yes, Lord. Go to all sufficient. was such a price. Yes, Lord. All sufficient. thank you Jesus we thank you King Jesus for your sacrifice we thank you King Jesus that you didn't hold back we thank you King Jesus that you gave it all that you paid it all that you took it all oh God we thank you we thank you on our behalf oh God you took it all we thank you King Jesus we thank you lover of our souls we thank you we thank you thank you Jesus that we don't have to pay for it we thank you God that our debt has been paid we thank you King Jesus we thank you hallelujah hallelujah in an attitude of prayer let's go back to our seats Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. He paid it all.
He paid it all. See, I've been thinking lately what Jesus died for. See, we could say so clearly all the sins of the world, but when you actually think about it, he died for the Hitler. He died for the worst of the worst, the ones that we would call the worst. That punishment was put upon him that the Father had to look away. That was put upon Jesus Christ, our beloved Jesus Christ, the sinless one. God sent his son, Jesus, to this earth. He was fully God, fully man. He lived a sinless life and died a horrible, horrible death for you and for me. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is the gateway to God. There is no other way. There is not 5,000 ways. You don't have to like it, but it's the truth. Jesus Christ is the only way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He will save you completely when you go through him to the Father. He sits at the right hand of God today because he is a living God. He did the complete work on that cross. Death, burial, and resurrection. He did it all. And when we believe, we activate that intercession. We activate that complete work that he did for us. And if you do not believe today, come on, today is the day to believe. Today is the day to get right. There is not tomorrow, the next day. We never know when our time is up. We do not know. So make that decision today. If you can stand to your feet with me, I would like to take this time to dismiss our children. During our fellowship video, we're going to have prayer workers over here, Pastor Griselda and Pastor Eddie Bertel, they will pray with you. If you need to get right with Jesus, if you haven't been completely saved, if you have not gone through Jesus Christ to God to activate that forgiveness, that intercession, they are here to pray with you today. They will plug you in. They'll talk to you about discipleship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this service, Lord. We thank you for every man, woman, and child that is a part of this church. We thank you, God, for saving them. We thank you for the work that you did upon that cross. And we just pray, if they are not right today, that you will just touch their hearts, God. I pray that they would not leave here the same. God, I pray that they would go to the pastor, Griselda and Pastor Berto, and receive prayer today, God, that they wouldn't fight it. If they feel that tug, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will draw them even closer, God. Draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead, give God a hand clap of praise.
We're going to recite our confession of faith right now. If you need a copy, if you don't have one, you can raise your hand. Our usher will hand it out to you. We recite this every week because this is what we believe. This is what we stand on. And this is what we're going to stand on regardless of what happens in our world, in our country, whatever. This is what we're going to stand on. Amen. So on the count of one, two, three, let's say it. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Go ahead and greet your neighbor. Give somebody a high five or a hug that you don't know.
All right, all right. Who's excited to be at church this morning? Make some noise. Welcome to Metro Praise International. We are so excited that you came to join us here this morning for service at MPI. If this is your first time here, uh, if you did not receive one of these at the door, the ushers will get one for you if you just raise your hand a little bit. If you could just simply fill out the bottom portion, cut it off, drop it in the drop box. We would love to connect with you throughout the week. Uh, let's give it up for our first time visitors this morning. Come on, clap it up. Our services here at Metro Praise are every Sunday at 10 a.m. And then Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m., 11 years old to 18 years old. They meet every week. They're winning their high schools. They're winning their friends to Jesus. If you know any teenagers, bringing them on I on Fridays at 7 p.m. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Say loving God, loving people. And those are the two greatest commandments that God has given to us. And we strive to live that way. Amen. And our discipleship strategy, strategy here at MPI is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. And we want to connect you first to our life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handouts is our quarterly schedule. If you flip that around, take a look really quick. And if you're new to the church, you haven't really gotten plugged in yet, got, haven't gotten connected, this is a place where you want to connect. So take a look at the list. Find out the types of ministries that we have going on. There's ministry-based, special needs-based, and activity-based. Some are every week, some are once a month. And just a snapshot of this week's life group schedule is as follows. If you want to look in the screen, uh, this Wednesday, King's Kids Life Group is happening. It happens every Wednesday, infant to 11 years old. You can drop them off at 6.30, pick them up at 8 o'clock, go run your errands, and they stay here. They learn about God. They get discipled. They get their time with the Lord. Amen. And then this Friday, we have our adult Bible study with Pastor Griselda and Pastor Berto at their house. Come on, make some noise for that. You guys are blowing it up. They just had a fun Friday with their scavenger hunt. Everybody see the pictures? Uh, so they're just having a fun time growing in the Lord. So if you want to uh, find a, a church that you could call your family, you want to join Metro Praise and check out that Bible study because they are rocking it out for Jesus. And then this Saturday, we have our evangelism. Every week at 5 p.m., we meet here and we go on the streets and tell people about Jesus because we believe that there is a heaven and a hell and it's our responsibility to tell people that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Amen? Praise the Lord. And then uh, we want to mentor you. So if this is your first time here, we want to take you through our 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life. Our leaders will meet with you. Anyone that you pick, one-on-one, -on -one, they'll meet with you. They'll teach you about the basis of Christianity. And then we have our 201 discipleship class with Pastor Jared on Sunday mornings. And it's disciples that make disciples because we want to train you to be a leader in God's church and in your, in, in your, in your life and society. Amen? So we train you to do that. Then we want to send you out to teach other people about Jesus. And then our goal here is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe that, say amen this morning. And if you have been coming to Metro Praise for some time, that has never changed. We have a young brother here. Back in the day, nine years ago, when we started Elevate, he was here. Has that changed? That has not changed. You have heard the same thing you've heard nine years ago. So we are serious about what God has called us to do in this city. We are so grateful that you have come to partner with us. Uh, at this time, we're going to prepare to um, learn about tithes and offerings. So if you could please turn to givingbook.org if you would like on your phone or you could follow on the screen. And then in our Bibles, we're going to go to John chapter 15, verse 5. So I'll give you a few moments here to do that. John chapter 15, verse 5. 
And I'm going to be sharing from the Disciples Giving book. We are on section three of the book, lesson seven. And section three is all about stewardship. So 14 lesson, lessons on stewardship. And lesson seven for today is stewards are to be fruitful. Somebody say fruitful. And stewardship means the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. So we have to be wise managers of everything God has entrusted to our care. Amen. So let's read John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing without Jesus. We have to remain in him. We are the branches, he's the vine. Everything that we do for the Lord has to come through him. Amen? Number one, main point. God is the source of all blessings. Jesus taught the disciples that he was the vine and they were the branches. This means that everything the branches produce comes from the vine. Apart from the vine, the branches can do nothing. With God, all things are possible. Without him, everything is impossible. Number two, we must remain in Jesus. Success can sometimes bring pride into people's hearts and get them cut off from Jesus. We need to always remember that following Jesus and being connected to him is more important than worldly things. Let's stay humble. Let's not allow pride to think that we've, we've become a self-made person. Everything is because of him. And like I've shared before in the past lessons, we didn't create our brain. We didn't create our eyes. He is the creator of all things and all gifts and abilities that we have come from him. So we have to do things through him, amen, and for him, for his glory. Number three, bear much fruit. Jesus desires to give you much fruit in your life. If you remain faithful to Jesus, he will make you fruitful. Say faithfulness equals fruitfulness. Being fruitful in life includes the following, in your finances, your family, and your spiritual growth. This is mine and Joe's prayer for our marriage, for our family, our children, our ministry, that we would be fruitful in our finances. Why? Because we want to be blessed so that we could be a blessing. And I encourage and challenge all of you, let that be your prayer, that God would make you fruitful through your faithfulness in your finances, so that you could be blessed to bless others and your family, that your children will be blessed, that your marriages will be blessed because they're built on God's solid word. And then in your spiritual growth, that every day you're cultivating your own salvation. And here's a summary. Be faithful to Jesus and he will make you fruitful. Amen? Faithfulness equals fruitfulness. And let's apply this. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, which is your 10% of your total income, and your offerings, anything you give after the tithe. And here we designate that towards building and towards missions. Number two, get connected and stay connected to Jesus by obeying all of his commands. We need to remain connected to him. And the way you, remain, you get unconnected or you know, detached is by not following his commands. Let's live humbly before the Lord and follow his commands because we fear the Lord and we want to shun evil. Number three, pray every day for the Lord to make you fruitful in all you do. Please stand up this morning as we make this confession. There's power in our words. Are you guys ready to confess this over your life, your finances, your families, your spiritual growth? Come on. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards. 
living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. At this time, we're going to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings. We believe here at MPI that a tithe is 10% of your income, and an offering is anything above that, an amount between you and Jesus. And right now, we're, we're having it geared towards our missions offering because we're going to be taking a missions trip soon to the Philippines, and then we also have building fund. So make sure on your offering envelope, you mark exactly where you want uh, that to go. So we have a tithe section, and then we have a section for missions building, and please check that off. And um, let's recite our powerful uh, verse this morning. Acts 20, 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you said that if we remain faithful to you, that you will make us fruitful. So God, we make a declaration as a church in this city that we will remain in you, that we the branches will remain in you the vine so that we could be fruitful in our lives. I pray, oh God, for every single person in this room that you would bless them, that you would prosper them, God, as they put you first in their tithe, that they would um, experience, God, your fruitfulness, their finances, their family, and their spiritual growth. We thank you, God, that you do not leave us wanting, but you want to provide for us, oh God. So I just pray that you bless everything that is given here. Let it multiply to meet our needs so that we can win Chicago and the nations for Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give this morning. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. Hot topics. Last call for alcohol. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Yes, today's hot topic is alcohol. Are y'all ready for this? Some of y'all scared a little bit. You feel like you're going to have to repent for last night? Break some plans for tomorrow? Ain't going to happen now? You've been to church? Now, you may be surprised, but I got to give you some good news about alcohol, and I got to give you some bad news about alcohol. Most people want the bad news first, right? So we're going to start off with the bad news. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. 
As you're turning there, I'm going to ask that our SUM students, who are not allowed to drink alcohol but only get high on the Holy Ghost, would come forward right now because they're starting their school year tomorrow, and I want to pray for these Bible college students. Let's give it up for SUM students as they come. Those of you who don't know, uh, guys, face them first, and then we'll pray because I want them to see your beautiful faces and handsome faces. About five years ago, Metro Praise International partnered with SUM School of Urban Missions, the school I graduated from. They're now based in um, Oakland, California, used to be uh, New Orleans. They do online live webcasting of their classes. We've already graduated 12, and these are some of the students now that are getting close to, uh, that are in the school, and some are getting close to graduating. Jared, uh, Jared, uh, Rudy is a third year. Jerry is a third year who's not here. She's with Jared, and that's why I think I said that. And then who's first year? Who's starting first year? Let's go, okay. Julian's a first year. Second year's Josh. Jose, <laughs> oh my, I got so many things going on in my head right now. Steve Ramos, okay, who is a uh, third year, okay, a lot of third years, Rudy, Adam, Seth, and Stephanie, and then we have in the seminary getting their master's degree, Diana right here, amen. Oh, here's Christina. Christina is a second year with her awesome husband, Jose. Okay, can I just talk to you guys for a minute? Just come and face me. We're going to pray for you. Uh, the book of James says in chapter 3, verse 1, that not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And so when we take on the call to become leaders, we have to take that very seriously. We're going to be judged more severely. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody else today could wear shorts, not a big deal. If somebody walks in here and they see the pastor wearing shorts, that might be a conversation over lunch. Oh, did you see what that pastor was wearing? He was wearing shorts on Sunday service. Look at him. You know, we get judged so severely. People can have bad days. Every day of the week, they can have a bad day. You have one bad day in your life. You say the wrong thing to the person one time. Whoop, they're out the back door. They're done. I ain't coming back to that church no more. That church that that pastor said not to me. I ain't coming back no more. They'll, they'll forget about all the stuff they caused you to go through. You mess up one time. Boom. They're gone. That's how it is. But Sometimes sheep are the most beautiful things to be around. They're beautiful. They're soft. They produce beautiful uh, wool. And look at this beautiful sheep right here, Ishmael. <laughs> then you'll, you'll have people in your life like Ishmael who will just love you. you you'll just pet him. Bah, bah. Just, he, he is like your, he just like your ideal sheep. Now turn around and look at some of these other sheep. They're awesome too, aren't they? Aren't they good sheep? Can I get a bath from the audience? Okay, y'all crazy too. That's right. So here's what we, oh, Tina, where'd you just come from? From the children's area. Uh, Tina, you're a third-year student as well. Let's give it up for Tina. Awesome. So here's the deal. We're in kind of a dance as teachers with the congregation. It's not always easy. Sometimes we're judged hard. But also we get to do the greatest things in life, help them. We get to pray for them. We get to serve them. We get to marry, bury, and baptize them. We get to encourage their children just like you are in the back. 
And that's the most rewarding job that I could ever think of. Now, all of us are called to do jobs. I'm thankful for policemen and all of this because if everybody was just pastors like me, nothing would get built. No roads would ever be fixed. There would be no houses. We'd be sleeping in tents somewhere out in the middle of a wilderness. So I am thankful that there's other jobs that people do for God too. So I don't want to get prideful on that. But I want to take great honor and the job that I get to do as a leader. And each one of you now are saying, that's what I want to do. And some of you are going to be graduating this year, and you're going to be going for that title of a pastor, pastoring youth and young people and starting churches. That's the dream, and that one day you'll change the world, and you'll be holding a mic like this, and I'll be sitting in the front row clapping for you guys. Amen? But we got to remember, we got to take this serious. We cannot take it lightly. We are to take it with joy, but we're to take it very serious. So I just want to pray this year that you guys are going to pass all your classes because that would be a good Christian thing to do, right? So like failing class in ministry school, no bueno, right? Not a good idea to ask people to follow you as you're marching through the gates of hell and you failed like your theology 101 class, right? Like you want to beat up old Beelzebub, but you can't write a term paper. We got to pray that you pass all your classes, and that you guys stay humble, amen? We don't want you guys to get so sassy as Bible college students because you took some classes. You're going to teach me how to preach now. You're going to help everybody. Oh, I know, how, I, I know how to help Pastor Joe. I just know what he needs. I, I took a class on that. Elders and deacons, would you come around them quickly right now? We're going to lay our hands on them. Congregation, would you just close your eyes, stretch your hands towards them as a sign of agreement for your prayers? We're going to lift them up to God right now. Father, we thank you for Tina. Bless her and her family this year as she goes to graduate, God. We thank you for Deanna going through seminary. Bless her, Lord. Let her grow in wisdom. We thank you for Steve and his family as he's coming as a second year. Continue to use him in the youth ministry, evangelism, everywhere he goes. Thank you for Jose and Christina as their second year, God, and they're starting off marriage together. Bless them and their family and their home and all that they do. Thank you for Rudy, God, being a third year and serving in evangelism. Chicago for Jesus. Bless and increase them with wisdom to stay on the dean's list. Thank you for Adam working with the youth ministry, Lord, coming to his third year. Let him do well in school, God, being a leader, leading by example. Thank you for Seth, also a third year, loving evangelism, helping to win new souls to the Lord, God. Grant him grace and wisdom to be strong in his studies. Thank you for Julian coming as a first year, also engaged to get married soon to Amanda. Bless him as he starts this new career path, his new family, Lord. Encourage him, Lord. I thank you for Stephanie leading work worship with the youth, learning the instrument of the guitar. I pray as a third year she'll get stronger and lead worship more and be out there as a leader. I thank you for Jose, God, as he comes back as a second year. Bless him to be strong, leader, and evangelism with the children and all that he does. And I also lift up to you, God, Pastor Nancy and Pastor Lauren, who lead behind the scenes and do everything to make this happen between SUM Oakland and SUM Chicago. I pray that you grant them grace and success. And Jared and Jerry, who are not here, also bless them. We thank you, Lord. You said the harvest is great and the laborers are few, so we should pray for laborers. We thank you that you have sent us laborers, Lord. Now anoint them by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody shout out hallelujah. Woo! Slap your neighbor high five all across this place and say the nations. Amen. God bless you guys. Woo! Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. What an honor for all these years to be able to see SUM students raised up for God. Isn't that powerful? 
I want to pray also for somebody special today. I don't want to embarrass you, but can I pray for you? Melissa, can we pray for you? Do you want to stay there or would you come forward? Uh, Pastor Lauren, wherever she is, my wife, Griselda, our dear sister had a miscarriage. And we want to pray for her right now. Oh, Jesus, can I just give you a hug? Come on, I know that um, every child matters to us. You can just look at me right here, just face. I don't want them to have to see you cry because I know we want to release some of that right now. But God, every child matters, Lord. We lift her heart up to you right now, God. I pray, Lord, that as she just lets it go, God, as the pain comes out, God, as the healing begins, Lord, that you will just encourage her, that, Lord, you will let her know she's not walking through this by herself, and that, Lord, there's other women who have gone through miscarriages, but, God, they are strong today as mothers. You've given them other children. Not that that takes the place, but, God, you've given them hope, Lord, even in the midst of sorrow. I'm going to ask that Pastor Lauren would just pray for her as well. Lauren, lift her up, Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for Melissa, God. We just ask you, Lord, right now that you would comfort her, God, in ways that we don't even understand, oh God. We pray that you will do a deep work in her heart right now, Lord, that she would know that you have her back, that you are holding her in your arms, God. We pray, Lord, that your spirit will just pull her through this time. I pray, God, that she would not turn away, but her eyes would be focused on you and that you would heal the deep parts of her in Jesus' name. I just want to keep praying for, you know, sometimes as I've heard the other women confess to my wife and I, sometimes when there's a miscarriage, sometimes they think they did something wrong or God's punishing them or whatever. That is so not true. I just want to speak that over you if you've even heard that lie. You've done nothing wrong. The only reason why our bodies do this is because of sin back in the garden. We live in a cursed world where we're sick, there's death, and sometimes it even affects our children. But here's a promise. The Bible says even children that are lost before they're born, they're in heaven with God. They'll be given a life in the eternal kingdom on this earth. You will see your son or daughter again. God cares for them. You're not alone. So I just pray for healing and for us as a church to get around you and love you and just be there for you. And I pray for your family to do the same and your friends to support you through this time of healing. In Jesus' name, can the congregation say amen? Can we give the Lord a hand clap for hope? Amen. Lauren, you've had a miscarriage, right? You had a miscarriage. Rachel had miscarriages. Ish, well, Robin, Vanessa, so many of our ladies here. And that doesn't, you know, having another child doesn't take it away, but there's hope to know that child that was miscarried goes to heaven and that the womb can still be fertile and God can still bless us with children. Amen. So precious, so precious. Thank you for coming today. I didn't know if I would see you, so I wanted to take that time to pray. Let's go now to Galatians chapter 5, 19. Galatians 5, 19 on the subject of alcohol. We're all serious right now. <laughs> so I might as well give you the bad news right now. This is what Paul said. He said, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity... Immorality and what? Impurity, thank you. Debauchery, that's what people do when they're drunk. They do dumb stuff. If you don't know what that looks like, you can watch the Jersey Shore or an MTV music video. That's debauchery. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, and 
drunkenness right next to orgies. Okay, so don't get drunk and have an orgy. That's two sins. And the like. Okay, so here's the bad news. The bad news is you can't get drunk. Okay, that's what the Bible says about alcohol. Don't get drunk. Now, if some of you don't know what drunk is, you need to go to your family's party tomorrow and look at Cousin Flacco and see what goes down, okay? That dude is drunk, okay? You know, Cousin Vinny, that dude is drunk. No, I'm just kidding, but you know what I'm saying. You're going to see somebody drunk at the party. Drunk means you can't stand right anymore. Drunk means you can't talk right. Drunk means at some point you're going to pass out, make a fool out of yourself. I think sometimes when we, we learn about alcohol, people want to be in denial and act like they don't know what drunk is. If your friend or family member doesn't know what drunk is, videotape them next time they're drunk and put it on YouTube. Okay, and then remind them what drunk looks like. Okay, so everybody say, don't get drunk. Now, that's the bad news, and I can relate to the bad news because my sister died drinking and driving. So when you are heavily intoxicated, not able to operate heavy machinery, which a car is, that can become a death trap. In 2012, over 10,300 deaths came from drunk driving. My sister was at a bar. She was heavily intoxicated. They tried to tell her not to drive, but she drove anyway. She got in her car, drove 70 miles an hour down a residential road, supposed to be about 30, 35. There came a sharp turn. She did not turn in time, hit the pole, they estimate, at 70 miles an hour. Split her car in two, flew through the top of the roof like an open pop can, and was shredded and killed instantly on sight. As you can imagine, when we were going to the wreckage, when I went there with my mom, for my mom to get the trinkets from her car, that was the most horrible thing you can possibly imagine. My mom was grabbing the air freshener, falling down, weeping uncontrollably. She was taking things out of the glove compartment. My dad and I had to carry her back to the car. Just watching her at that wreck, at that, that, that site there in the junkyard is a memory that has been scarred into my mind. So drunkenness does have penalties. You can die. You can die. And not only drunk driving, but there are 88,000 deaths a year that come because of alcohol abuse. That means it's the third leading cause of death in America from preventable causes. So you can prevent the liver disease and the different things that happen because of alcohol destroying your immune system and getting other kinds of diseases by abusing alcohol. And so I want to start off with the bad news. Don't get drunk. Don't get drunk and drive. Try not to drive at all after consuming alcohol. Be careful at when you drive at the point you've been drinking. And when you're around people that are like this, offer them your help. Don't support them. Don't keep buying them drinks at the bar because they tell funny jokes. No, cut them off. Are you listening? Don't keep giving Cousin Flacco shots because you like the way he dances after he gets drunk. Cut him off. We as friends and family of people who are going to learn about moderate alcohol use should be responsible for those who are with us that are abusing it. We should be able to say, bro, you're drunk. 
Ma'am, you're drunk. You should stop that. And so we know that bartenders should do that. We know that we all should play a part in that. But ultimately, the person is responsible for themselves. Uh, But sadly, when it comes to drunk driving, you can kill innocent people. And sadly, you can end your life, like my sister did, and affect your loved ones. So sometimes people who are addicted to alcohol say, I'm not hurting anybody. That's a lie. Because when my sister died, she left two children behind. Two children were left behind because my sister did not know when to say enough is enough. And everybody say, that's the bad news. Now you all ready for the good news? The good news is you can drink alcohol. Look at your neighbor and say cheers. Okay, the good news is if, hold on, we need to back up. If you're 21 years or older, look at your neighbor and say cheers. Okay. I want you to look at the notes I have up. And by the way, we have our Facebook discussion board at our Facebook church page, Metro Praise International. If you haven't been on Facebook and like us, please do that. And there right now I have a post for you to ask questions while I'm preaching so that I can answer them when we get to the end. Okay, so check that out to see if you have any questions that I didn't hit on today. So the notes are there as well. And whoever is popping gum, God have mercy on your soul. Please never do that again in this church. Never snap your gum in this church. You don't want to see what happens. You don't, you don't want to go down that road. In the notes, I got this whole big, this is like a, basically the notes I have for today is like a mini booklet. I'm serious. Like some of you guys got the seven-step book. This is like seven steps to alcohol right here. I mean, this is so in-depth. I don't have time to get all into it. But uh, Cynthia, would you find what the Bible says about alcohol, that section? I want to let you know what the Bible says about alcohol. Some people have tried to teach over the years that the alcohol of the Bible is really just grape juice. But that's not true. The Bible talks about alcohol that can cause drunkenness. And so we're warned not to get drunk. That warning would not make any sense if the alcohol of the Bible was really grape juice. And that's really where I was taught and raised in the churches that I was a part of is that, yeah, it says wine. Yeah, it says Jesus, you know, made a whole lot of wine at the party, but that really wasn't wine. That was grape juice. Well, that just doesn't make any sense at all. Number one, when have you ever been to a wedding, a bunch of grown people happy about grape juice? Okay, and why do you think times have changed that much? Like, do you think like back then they were happy about grape juice? Number, number two, grape juice was invented in the 1800s because before then there was no stopping of the process of fermentation of normal grapes. Once you mush them up and put them into a, a juice form, it was automatically going to become grape juice. It wasn't until the 1800s till Welch, a man named Welch, invented the way to stop it from fermenting anymore. So it was actually impossible to have grape juice like that. And then number three, if that was what Jesus actually made, why did the man say at the at at the wedding he said you know what most people serve the bad wine first or the good wine first everybody drinks a whole lot and then once everybody's well drunk they give them the bad wine but you have saved what the best wine for last now if you were at a wine and you were drinking whatever Dom Perignon whatever favorite wine you had and then at the end of the night somebody started giving you grape juice would you be happy You would be upset. Now, if you were drunk, you might not know the difference. But if you were enjoying your meal, enjoying the time, and you started getting handed grape juice, you'd be like, Joe Jesus, what's going on here? Why are you handing me Welch's right now? What happened? 
No, but that's not what the person at the wedding says. The person at the wedding says, you've brought out the best. Now, I don't know a lot about wine. I'm not a wine snob of any uh, sort. So whatever the best would be, okay, like Merlot. I don't know, like, like 1965 Merlot. Like that's what Jesus was bringing out. Now, look at the Bible and what it says. Here's all the dictionaries that consider what I'm saying to be true, okay? So you don't have to just take my word for it. Look, scroll down a little bit, please, Cynthia. Under Easton's um, Bible Dictionary, wine is considered alcoholic. Erdman's Bible Dictionary, uh, the ESV Study Bible, the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology. How many know we should take books like that serious, you know? I, I disagree with the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, Okay, and what are your credentials, Bob? You know, I got a pretty lofty thing you're going to take on right now. You know, I take on the encyclopedia. It's wrong. Okay, well, who are you? You know, what, what do you know about stuff? You know, and, and I'm, Lord willing, going to be getting my doctorate. I've already done my master's. I'm telling you, this stuff's pretty legit. I'm not saying I agree with everything in the evangelical dictionary of theology, but when it comes to the basic stuff of Christians, this, this is what's true. And, and by the way, this is not like Metro Praise just kind of like snuck this in. How many know about Moody Bible Institute, Moody Bible Church? How many think they're pretty conservative, right? Moody Bible Radio and all that? Dude, this is what they believe, Okay. Now, you know if this is what Moody believes, and they're kind of uptight, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know it's true. You know if, like, Moody's got to admit it and be like, guys, because they just put it out in the newspaper. I don't know if anybody saw this about a year ago. Moody was like, we're going to let our people, you know, we're going to let our people drink now, you know. Like, you know, you know, like, that conversation did not go well at Moody at first, you know. There's, like, guys in three-piece suits. And Lord, forgive me for judging, because maybe it didn't go like this, but I imagine that it did. And they're like, they're arguing back and forth, and then somebody goes, dude, it's in the dictionary. Okay. So, by the way, Moody, most Baptist churches are like this. Most non-denominational churches, evangelical churches. Um, it's really just been us Pentecostals that tried to promote this myth of grape juice and wine thing. That's, that's really all it's been. And really, it's a new thing for the last 100 years. Before that, for like 1,900 years, we all kind of knew what's up. Okay, the Expositor's Bible Commentary talks about the wine, Jesus' wine, John 2, 6 through 7. Holman's Illustrated Bible Dictionary. So there you got one, two, three, four, five, six dictionaries and study Bibles that say basically wine is what I said it was. Okay, now, if you don't believe me, let's look at the Bible. How many like the Bible? Amen. Let's hear some good verses in the Bible. Amen. Deuteronomy 14, 26. So he talks about you going to the temple, and you're going to do a whole bunch of stuff there, and you're going to give sacrifices, and you're going to do things there for the Lord. But you're going to have some leftover money. Like, you've just taken your trip to Jerusalem. You spent a lot of money to get there. You've, you've paid your tithes. You've, you know, you've sacrificed the bulls. And, like, you're wondering, man, what do I do with the rest of the money I got? I got a three-day weekend. What am I supposed to do? I got one brother laughing. He's like, oh, I know where this is going, Pastor. Okay, but like three-day weekend in Jerusalem, what do we do? Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink. See, that's where I know right there. If people want to say, well, wine was grape juice or grape juice was wine. Well, I think the other fermented drink kind of rules out the idea that you could just buy Welch's, even though it didn't exist back then, Right? So, hey, you got some money? Buy some sheep. Does anybody have a problem with anybody spending money on sheep? Okay? Do you have a problem? Let's think about this. Do you have a problem with your neighbor buying sheep? No. Why are city folk looking at me crazy right now? Do you have a problem with your neighbor buying cattle? No. Should you have a problem if your neighbor buys wine? 
I got two people like, no. Is this the, is this the happy church this morning? Or am I going to lose half of y'all because you all going to be like sucking on lemons? Like he, he told me I could drink alcohol, but I don't ever want to drink it. And I'll never drink it, and I'm never coming back to this church again. How dare he? How dare he tell me? Okay, if you don't want to buy wine with your money, then don't. Buy me some. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just saying it. it that's the Bible. Buy wine or other fermented drink or anything else you wish. Then you and your household shall do what? Eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. Rejoice in the presence of the Lord your God. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying don't get mad if somebody wants to. Now, understand history, Islamic faith is the only prohibition religion, sometimes Hinduism. But listen to me, Islam came 600 years after Jesus, and they said not only not to drink, but not to eat lechon, okay? So unless you want to take on a Muslim perspective of laws, understand the Bible. And if you don't believe me, just talk to a Jewish person. Just talk to any, we have some people here that have Jewish family members. Ask them, when you guys have wine, when you, I mean, when you guys have weddings, when you guys have celebratory things, do you guys drink grape juice and have little crackers? Or do you all get some wine, some sheep, and some cattle and have a good old time? Hello. When you think of Jewish people dancing and having fun, what are they, what are they doing? They're, they're enjoying that, okay? Jewish people have always done this. They've never had a problem with it. Christians have never had a problem with it. Does anybody remember the Puritans who came and settled in America, the Puritans, the pilgrims? Do you know that they brought more beer with them than they brought water? Why? Because water went bad real quick. Beer stayed good. How many have some favorite guys like Spurgeon, John Wesley, all these preachers, one of my favorites? you know what they did? They brewed their own beer. Y'all looking at me crazy. You're like, Pastor, don't you try it. I'm just John Wesley. John Wesley, my hero, brewed his own beer. I'm not saying he was making moonshine, getting drunk, and acting silly. I'm just saying he brewed his own beer, and he drank it and didn't get drunk. He did it in the presence of the Lord. Too much to talk about. Psalms 104.15. Looks like some of y'all might need to smile a little bit. You might need to smile while I preach because i got about 40 more minutes to preach. Can you at least pretend you're having fun in church? Psalms 104, 15. He gave all of these good things. He gave food. He gave cattle. And then it says he gave wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. Okay, so this is where we talk about, some people say, well, if I drink wine, I'll get drunk. Well, you're probably an alcoholic then, okay? Because if you can't drink without getting drunk, you have missed the whole purpose of this. Wine and alcohol is not meant to get you drunk. It's just to gladden your heart. How many know if you're stressed and you drink a little bit, it brings down your stress level? How many know if you want to be sociable, having a glass of wine opens up your attitude, your mood a little bit, right? That's what it's meant to do, gladden the heart. I know the Holy Ghost gladdens the heart, and I'm going to end with a great altar call today, okay? So some of you are already wondering, like, how does he go, how's he going to end this with an altar call? Like, altar workers, would you please come? All those who want to drink good beer and wine, let us pray for you today. No, no, no. I got, I got a good altar call for y'all today. I got a great one. And it's going to tie into the Holy Ghost. Listen, it's going to tie into that. But we have to understand, does anybody here like to eat food? 
Does it, does it release good food, uh, feelings in your body when you eat food? It releases good feelings. Does anybody like chocolate? Right? Does anybody like to eat all those things and going to do it tomorrow? Right? Like you're going to enjoy those things tomorrow. Why? If you're of age and you can do it without getting drunk, the Bible says you can add wine to that. That's what the Bible says. Now look at Proverbs 3.10. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. You want, how many want to be blessed? Amen? And your vats will brim over with new wine. So part of God's blessing to his people who were agricultural people who had to make their own goodies, he said, I'm going to bless you with a whole lot of wine. I'm going to brim it over, and it's going to flow over into your life. Now, did that give them permission to get drunk on it? Okay. Has anybody heard me in this sermon give you permission thus far to get drunk? Didn't I start off with the bad news? You get drunk, you die, you're probably going to hell. Okay, can I make it any more clear? Drunkards go to hell. Do you understand that? Everybody get that? But if you're not a drunkard, let the wine overflow, be blessed, share it with your neighbors. I got to tell a story. I got to tell. Can you all share what you got? Amen. I need some people to share. Share your bread, share your oil, share your wine. Amen. Don't just keep it to yourself. So anyways, there was a guy in America. He was taught what I was taught. Wine is grape juice. This, this just means you're going to have welches flowing over everywhere, even though it didn't exist back then. But that's what we try to make it read out to be because we can never imagine holy people actually enjoying themselves. Holy people walk around like this in life. That's how they walk around. So he goes to Europe. And in Europe, they never had a prohibition. See, we had a prohibition. I'm going to get into that. At one time, we tried to actually do away with alcohol in our whole culture. And what did that produce? The mafia, right? So it didn't really do a lot of good for us. So think about it like this. This guy from Europe, uh, America, goes to Europe. And he, he goes there. And he keeps his normal habit. He drinks his coffee in the morning, a couple in the afternoon, coffee at night. And uh, every time he would sit down to dinner with the other pastor who's from, you know, England or whatever, you know, the guy has a little brandy, a little wine with this meal. And it starts to bother him. You know, he's thinking to himself, I can't believe this pastor's here drinking wine and stuff at the meal, enjoying himself. So he, he says, you know what, after the trip, I'm going to sit down and talk to him. So he gets together with that pastor. And he said, Pastor, I've been really wanting to talk to you about some of our different different drinking habits. And the other pastor said, I'm so glad you brought that up. I didn't know when I was going to bring it up, but I'm concerned about your intake of caffeine every day. And the other pastor goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. I'm supposed to be judging you on alcohol, but now you're judging me on caffeine. You see, we all think that what is okay is generally what our culture says is okay. And the Bible wants us to go to what God says is okay. So don't judge what God didn't judge. Are you listening? It's okay to make judgments. How many make judgments when they're stopping at a stoplight? You know red means to Stop, green means to go. Or you make judgments. Does anybody here make judgments about babysitters for their kids? Like what if somebody came in with like heroin needles and said, I want to babysit your kids. And then you're like, I don't think so. You're not bringing crack and heroin into my house. And then they go, don't you judge me. You're going to say, yes, I can judge you. I'm a parent, right? That's why I keep guns in the house. Amen. That's another conversation. Beer and guns. No, I'm kidding. Come on. That's the South. I lived there for a while. Now, this is what blows people's mind. Everybody go, blow your mind. Now, at this point, if you're not convinced, here is the thing that's going to blow your mind. Put the cherry on top and just take it to another level. Here it is. The beginning of Jesus' ministry starts off with what? A wedding 
and fermented wine. How does this thing all end? The marriage supper of the Lamb, us eating and drinking with God, and the new kingdom comes. Is everybody with me? Does anybody know about that? That's what we're waiting for, marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a party. Guess what they serve in there, y'all? On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. That means there's going to be all those cocondules. There's going to be stuffed pizza there. There's going to be all kinds of good foods there. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of Okay. Now, at this point, if you have any more questions, continue to read the notes when you have time. Because, I, I, I mean... Six dictionaries, four scriptures. If we're not convinced already, there may be a problem, okay? And that problem needs to be settled at another time. No ITs. It's okay. Now, look at church history. Just scroll right down. I don't have time to get into all of this, but because once again, the bad news is drunkenness is terrible. So I'm not trying to say anybody who doesn't, uh, who has a problem with drinking should drink. And I don't want to be interpreted as a pastor that made drinking so cool that all the young people are going to go and break the law now. Once again, have I said that today? Did I say young people break the law? Did I say all of us go out and get drunk? Did I say let's not take alcohol serious? No, right? I didn't say that. But I do have to be honest with you. In 1 Corinthians, I don't have time to get there. Chapter 11, verse 20, we get the most easiest indication to let us know it was alcohol in the church. You know why? Because they were getting drunk off the communion wine. When we take communion, we don't use wine. We use grape juice. Going back to my story. See, America's history was always pro-alcohol, pro-wine. This is the one thing we can give the star next to the Catholics and go, hey, you got that one thing right, you know? Because, like, when, when, like, St. Cletus over here has a block party, you know they got the beer tent, you know? And all of us Pentecostals used, used to be like, oh, those Catholics, what's wrong with them? Though I wish I could go and get a beer and a bra, but all those Catholics. But now we actually have to look back on it and go, star for them. Father Tom was right. Father Tom was actually right. This is what they were doing. In the church, what we call communion was actually a meal. When Jesus had communion the first time, it was called the last supper. When you have supper, do you have this much of grape juice and this much of a cracker? Is that how y'all have supper? No, that's not how they had supper either. And in the middle of supper, what does he do? He takes the wine on the table, and he takes the bread, and he says, now do this in remembrance of me. So what did the early Christians do? As noted in 1 Corinthians 11, they came together and had a supper, and then at some point they would stop and say, here's the bread, and here's the wine. Let's now do this in remembrance of Jesus. It was only over time that we began to say, we only do the communion in church, and then we began to make it more con convenient and easy. But if we wanted to be exactly like Paul in the New Testament church, every time we would take communion, which would be the first of the month, we would sit around a big table, have a whole lot of food, and enjoy ourselves, and at some point take the wine and the bread and then take communion. And believe it or not, there's people in our church that want to do that. And I don't know, maybe we should one time and just have fun and give it a try and scare all the neighbors, right? Cheers, here's for Jesus. But we're not drunk, right? We're just cheering for Jesus, right? I lost you guys there. That's okay. <laughs> Why is this so weird? Okay, we're going to get to that point about Jesus making the wine and hanging out because sometimes we just don't want to think that Jesus would ever hang out, right? Jesus is serious all the time. He's sucking on lemons. He's rebuking everybody. 
Mary can't talk because God doesn't like women either, right? This is the old school impression. They're all wearing weird, funny clothes, right? They're all legalists. Nobody has fun. They read out of the King James. Even though the King James wasn't even invented then, somehow they have the King James. Thou doeth good, my brothereth. I loveth you. You know, they're talking like that. But the point is, is that in this time of communion, they were getting drunk, and Paul has to rebuke them and say, don't you have a place to enjoy your meals and all of that? When you come to church, do it in order. So that's how we know Christians did this, and still to this day, not only the Roman Catholics, but many other Christian denominations use wine in their communion. How do I know that's also relative to the Jewish faith? Ask any Jewish person celebrating Passover, what do they use for the four cups of Sadar? It is wine. Is it grape juice? It's wine. Do children drink it? Yes, they drink it. When you were confirmed in the Catholic Church, they give you grape juice or the wine. They gave you the wine. Why? Your body automatically already produces about three grams of ethanol alcohol a day. Alcohol in, in moderation is not bad for you. It's actually a part of your digestive system. That's why he said drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. Not only that, but on average, those who drink live longer lives than those who don't drink because it helps prevent things like heart disease and other things like that, which I have it all noted here. I don't have time to get into it. Now, Metro Praise's belief is very simple. Let's just scroll down. It's very simple, and then uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more, maybe make you laugh a little bit, or I'll try to make you laugh, and you'll awkwardly just look at me as I continue to live out my worst nightmare of what I thought would happen when I preached about this. Like, oh, this is what could happen. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen. Boop, here I am. A lot of weird stares right now, like people are scratching their head, like, how can you love Jesus and say that? Okay, let me explain this, and then I'll talk about why I think Jesus is, is a cool friend to have at the party, because he makes wine. I'll talk about that, Jesus, in a minute. Okay, so when we put this all together, here's, here's how Metro Praise interprets this. Number one. Do not judge on what Christ doesn't judge. So if God says homosexuality is a sin, then we can say that's a sin. If he doesn't say it's a sin, then we don't say it's a sin. So if Jesus said women can't wear makeup, then women shouldn't wear makeup. But if Jesus never said anything about makeup, we shouldn't be talking about makeup. Is everybody with me? So just read the black and white of the Bible and then don't judge on anything that's not in there. And it actually even talks about not judging what we drink. So, so uh, you know, way out here in, in, in a religious land, there's conversations about makeup and women's pants and all of that. Well, we didn't really hear a lot about Paul on that, so we just got to, like, see did he ever uh, say, to do it because if he didn't say to do it then I don't care what anybody else says but look at this there was already people judging in this time what people were eating and drinking so Paul actually addresses it in Colossians 2:16 and says don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink could it be any more clear so does it say I can judge you on your clothes nowhere in the Bible so if someone wants to judge on clothes they better give me a verse now, if someone wants to judge on drinking, not only are you arguing against the Bible, you're arguing from a specific command not to judge that way. So if you're like, oh, I love to judge people on what they drink. I'm going to make sure my pastor don't do this. No Patron for pastor. Pastor don't deserve that. Give him just some watered-down beer. That's what my pastor gets to drink at the wedding. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> crazy, crazy looks. Whose party am I going to tomorrow? I just, okay. I just want to know. I just want to know. Where am I going to work off this, uh, to, you know, forget about this message. 
in a non in a non-drunk way, praise God. Number one, don't judge. So if Pastor got a little patron and you want a watered down Bud Light, let's not judge each other. Let's let each other do what we do unto God. Because he said in Deuteronomy, you can buy wine or any other fermented drink. Now, let me just share this about, some of you all know this, some of you don't, but alcohol that we drink today is ethanol alcohol. It's the same thing, whatever you call it. Sangria, beer, wine coolers, Patron, it's all the same thing. There's just a difference of proof. Are you guys tracking with me? It's just a difference of proof. So if I drink Patron and don't get drunk, have I violated the scripture? If you drink 20 wine coolers and get drunk, have you violated the scripture? Yes. So whether you're drinking tequila, which is a name brand of Patron there, whether you're drinking tequila, whiskey, which, by the way, some whiskeys were invented by pastors in the South, pastors who love Jesus. Whether, a lot of these Christians invented a lot of these drinks, by the way. But whether you're drinking wine, Patron, whatever you're drinking, don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. Now, the Bible warns about ways that people do get drunk, and one of those ways is drinking parties, okay? So, yeah, it's okay to drink beer, but you think it's a good idea to do a cake stand? No, probably not a good idea. Is you think it's a good idea to do a beer bong? Do you think it's a good idea to start taking shot after shots, 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 shots? Are you, like, throwing them down? You will be drunk by the time you get to that third or fourth one, son, right? Like, don't do that. And, if, and, and, and people are like, well, it's going to lead to debauchery, which is, like I said, the Jersey Shore and all that stuff. Then find new people to drink with. Stop, stop drinking with people that take off their clothes. If you're drinking with people that take off their clothes, or, or like somebody else is like, well, I can't drink Patron because it makes me want to fight. Tequila makes me want to fight. All right, then don't you drink that. You don't get none of that. You get Seagram's Sweet Breeze Wine Cooler. That's what you get. You get, the, you get the wine cooler at the party. We're going to keep our eyes on you. You're going to start beating people up. No, you get none of that. Hello. This, this message left the train, uh, the rails a long time ago. I'm going to try to bring it back. Drink, but don't get drunk. Okay. If you can enjoy it in a responsible way, do it. If you can't, don't do it. Let's not judge each other. Number three, always consider the weaker brother. So the Bible says that there is this thing called a weaker brother. And this is where a lot of my friends are at today. The weaker brother. Who is this guy? What does he like? Well, the weaker brother is the person that doesn't like you doing something. And they know they're wrong for judging you, but they want you to help them not to stumble. The weaker brother is not a spiritually mature person who now thinks they're better than you. It's a weak person. So, for example, let's say there's someone here, and they say, Pastor, if I'm around you and you drink, it's going to probably make me want to go home and get drunk and kick my dog and do bad stuff. So, Pastor, because I don't know how to handle things like alcohol, would you please not even do it around me? And I would say, okay. You're the weaker brother, right? But if you're like, Pastor, I think I'm so much better than you, and when you drink, it really makes me think really bad of you, so don't you drink around me, otherwise I'm going to think you're a thinner. Well, that makes me just want to drink in front of you and say, deal with it, Chancho. Give me another Corona, please. Why? Because you think you're better than me. You don't get the permission to do that. And in Romans 14, is the argument even over alcohol? It's not even over alcohol. Guess what it's over? Pork. Pork. 
There were people having problems with the other guys eating pork, eating food. You ever been to a Chinese buffet and there's a little Buddha there with some incense? See, back in their day, they had food that was sacrificed to idols, and some people just could not eat at that Chinese buffet because every time they went there, it made them want to puke looking at that idol. But how many know when you go there, you don't care about that Buddha? You come in there to look like Buddha, right? You're going to fill up the belly? Give me some more Mandarin chicken, man. Forget about the Buddha. But in Romans 14, there may be a weaker brother that says, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Let's not go to Khufu Manchu Man's Chinese buffet. Let's not go there because if we go there, there's a Buddha there, and they, they sacrifice to the Buddha there, and I don't want to eat there. And I might just go home and worship a Buddha if I see you eating where Buddha has incense. So what do we say to that person? You're weird. You're weird. And you're paying for Nini's Deli because that's the next place we're going, amen? And we should have gone there first. Well, so the point is, that's the argument. So this idea that there is a weaker brother and we don't want to cause them to stumble, it's literally the person that's an alcoholic. It's literally the person that says, me watching you guys have fun is going to make me want to do it and I won't be able to stop. And all Christians should be able to say, you got that. You see, you're not putting me down. You're not saying I'm a drunkard like you. You're just simply asking me to protect you. And I'm going to do that. And okay, I'm going to make sure I do that for you. And I'm not going to make you feel bad. And there's people in our leadership, elders and deacons, who aren't necessarily alcoholics, you know, but they just don't like alcohol. They, their parents might have abused it, and they don't want to be around it. And so we asked them, we said, does it bother you if others of us do it? And, and the others said, most of them said no. But sometimes they may say it does bother us. So we're going to make sure we just love on them because we don't want what we consider to be good to be bad for them. And that's the lesson of Romans 14. Everybody go, oh. And that's how we number four, act in love. There it is. Act in love. And guess what? There's actually a scripture that talks about that. It says right here, Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So it doesn't matter what you're drinking or not drinking. Do you have righteousness? Do you have peace? Do you have the Holy Ghost? Amen. And so parents, you set up the rules of your house. You know, if you say, you know what, I got teenagers and I don't want any alcohol in my house, even though I know I could enjoy it, well, praise God, don't do it. And that's why in our adult fellowship group, we made sure 21 years and older, when the adults want to go out and go bowling and have a few beers, you know teenagers are not invited to that because we never wanted to put them in an environment that a parent may say, I don't give them permission to be in. So whenever we do a life group, and some of you are like, where's that life group at? <laughs> Hold on, we have a life group? We drink beer and bowl? Where's, where's that one? Talk to this man right here. <laughs> Talk to that man. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Now, there are some explanations that need to come forth. Um, you know, some of the Proverbs people get stuck on because it, it seems to really say, don't do it, don't do it. But I just want to explain some of these Proverbs, okay? Now, you have to understand before I read a proverb what a proverb is. A proverb is a general wisdom statement to apply to your life. 
it is not going to replace the what we call the didactic teachings or the clear laws of God. So meaning Proverbs written by King Solomon is not going to cr- contradict Deuteronomy, what God told Moses. It's not going to contradict what Jesus did, okay? So let's just look at this. Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Can I say amen to that? Absolutely. But does that say don't ever drink, don't ever? No, no, no. What does it say? Whoever is led astray by them. How many know as adults when you have drink and all of a sudden another drink is going to lead you astray? Another drink is going to take you down a road you know you shouldn't go down. How many of you in your immaturity have taken that other drink and you found out where that leads you? Don't do that again. Don't do that again. Amen? Now, some people might stop right here and say, oh, but drunkenness, Pastor, if, if we don't want people to get drunk, we might as well tell them not to drink at all because then that will help them. But hold on, hold on. In the same place of Galatians, it says don't have sexual immorality. Are we to avoid sexual immorality by stop having sex with husbands, husbands and wives? Hello? No, thank God I'm not going to stop that. What do I do? I make sure I just have sexual things and sexuality in the way God told me to have sexuality. One man, one wife, marriage, praise God, to death do us part, heavenly experiences. There ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of bump and grind. When you're married, there ain't nothing wrong. (laughs) There ain't nothing wrong, but you got to be married. Now if some teenager is going to go talk to their boyfriend or girlfriend and say, see, Pastor said there ain't nothing wrong. No, you've got to be married. Then you can sing it. There ain't nothing wrong. Okay. Proverbs 23, 20, and 29. Do not join with those who drink too much wine. See, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Or gorge themselves on meat. So what do we say? Okay, I'm not going to Club Excalibur where they're all getting drunk and it's the Chicago Shore. That's not where I'm going. I'm going to my friend's house or to a a meal, and we're going to drink responsibly. I don't want to be around those who drink too much. Can I get an amen? And I don't want to be around people who eat too much. So if you wonder why I don't come to your house, it's because you're gorging on me, right? That's what we should do, okay? For drunkards and gluttons. See, look at the comparison. Is it wrong to eat food? No, but it's wrong to be a what? A glutton. Is it wrong to drink? No, but it's wrong to be a drunkard. I don't even have time to read through the whole thing, but you all get it, right? That's, that's, that's how it starts. That's how it ends. If you, can't do, if you can't do it, then don't even look at it is what it says at the end it, because it will sting you like a viper. And, and anybody here that's ever been an alcoholic or struggled with alcohol, you know what I'm talking about. Even just looking at it, boom, ping, pow, you're, you're out on the floor somewhere feeling like you got stung by a viper, right? Life ain't good. So what are you supposed to do? Don't even look at it. And, and as your friend, I ain't going to put it in front of you either. Uh, another one here, Proverbs 30, verse 4 through 7. I, I've heard this one too before, and it's kind of funny if you take it literally. But uh, it says, it's not for kings, O Lemuel, for kings to drink wine, for rulers to crave beer. Okay, well, I, I think I get what you're saying here, but let's keep going. Lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Okay, give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. Let them f- drink and forget their poverty and remember their mis- misery no more. 
Now, some people have said this to me. They say, Pastor, we're kings and priests now unto God. We shouldn't drink. It's not for us. Okay, if we're taking that literal, it's not for us, then what also should we do? We should be getting homeless one-eyed Joe a 40 today. Here, homeless one-eyed Joe, drink a 40. Because what does it say? Give beer to those who are perishing. Just give them a beer. Wine to all those in anguish. Hey, man, you having trouble? Here's some wine. Now, is that literally how we're going to live our life, giving out beer to homeless people, wine to people in anguish? Some of your minds are just turning right now. I'm going to ask the question really slow. Do we give homeless one-eyed Willie a 40? No, okay. Okay. Do we give the person who has nothing in life a whole bunch of wine? No. So what is the point? The point is you don't drink while you're making important decisions. You don't turn to alcohol as a king in the time of ruling or when you're doing your job, lest you forget the law of God. People like bums and irresponsible people have no laws to remember, no judgments to give. Give them a beer because they don't have to give a death sentence out today. That's the point, okay? Now, King Solomon said all that and he still drank. King David still drank. Jesus still drank. So obviously, this is not saying not to drink. It just is telling you how to drink. How do I know? Because there's other verses in Proverbs that talk good about alcohol. Scroll on down. There's new wine. Proverbs 3.10, the one we read. He'll fill our vats overflowing with new wine. Wisdom. How many believe in wisdom? Some may say wisdom. See, wisdom says come and have a drink. Proverbs 9, 5 through 6, come eat my food, drink my wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Number three, drink wine with a joyful heart. A song of Solomon, uh, excuse me, uh, King Solomon also wrote Ecclesiastes 9, 7, go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for it is now that God favors what you do. So what are we saying that that King Solomon's overall perspective was to enjoy your life. If you're going to drink wine, do it responsibly. Don't hang around people who are getting drunk. Don't be in places where bad things are going to happen. Does everybody get that? Amen. Keep on scrolling down through the notes. Now, there's three positions a Christian can take on alcohol, and I'll just go through them briefly real quick. Number one, prohibition. Number two, abstination, abstention, rather. And number three, moderation. Prohibition basically says alcohol is sin. No Christian should ever drink it. That is an absolutely unbiblical perspective for these three reasons. All wine in the Bible, according to the best historical research, could get you drunk. Hence the reasons to not drink to get drunk. Shakar, which is a a powerful word to describe fermented drinks, was blessed by God in Deuteronomy 14.26. And number three, Jesus drank. And we're going to get to Jesus, the life of the party, in just a minute, okay? So what did we try to do in America? They didn't try to do this in Bible times. They didn't try to do this in Europe. In America, we tried to, as Christians, stop people from drinking to help our urbanization problems. People were coming from the country, living into uh, America, the cities, during that time of the Industrial Revolution. Also at that same time, distilling methods became much more advanced where they could make a lot of strong liquor, and people began to work in the city, be away from their homes, spend all their money on alcohol, and get drunk. 
the Christians of that time said, hey, we got an idea. Let's disobey the Bible and try to control everybody's life and cut off the bars. By them doing that, what did they do? They created the mafia and actually made people become drunkards and alcoholics because by them not being able to enjoy it, they always abused it. It wasn't regulated. Now, number two, abstention. And now this is where, honestly, a lot of my friends are at as pastors and Christians, and I was there for quite some time. And that's basically saying, hey, I get it, pastor. There was wine in the Bible. They drank stuff. Okay, but you know what? We're not in the Bible times anymore. Now we have all these other kinds of drinks. We have Sprite. We have Mountain Dew, Red Bull, whatever. So you know what? Uh, Because uh, we may cause people to sin, we may cause our children to do something bad, let's just all abstain from it. Let's just all take a vow of, of, of poverty, of alcohol, never touch it. Well, there's a reason why that position is wrong. Number one, man's wisdom never supersedes God's wisdom. So if you're like, I'm going to make a law that's not in the Bible because God forgot that one. You're already on a problem path, right? If you think God forgot a law in the Bible, you're in trouble because you think your God needs your help to make up laws, and he said not to do that. Number two, setting up tradition in man's ways above the Bible is exactly what the Pharisees got rebuked for because the moment you start judging that way, now you can get judged by other people's man-made traditions. So you go, I don't drink, and I don't think anybody else should drink. Where did you get that from? Well, I just kind of made that up. Okay, well, there's somebody over here that said women should wear doilies when they come to church. Do you want to follow their tradition? No. So judge not lest she be judged by the same standard you judge. It will be measured to you. So don't judge people by man-made traditions. Tradition, otherwise man-made tradition will judge you. And before you know it, we'll all be sitting, men over here, women over here, women won't be able to talk. They'll be wearing long skirts, long hair. They'll be wearing doilies, no makeup. Guys will wear them three-piece suits. We'll be reading out the King James Bible. We'll be out somewhere in the country with a compound on the farm getting ready for Armageddon to come living in a bunker. Okay? So unless you want to live in some bunker, you know, wearing a doily on your head, ladies, and men reading out the King James, chill, chill lax on your man-made rules. Just show me in the Bible. That's all I got to say. Show me in the Bible. Well, that's not what my pastor told me. Well, that's why you're not at your pastor's church anymore. That's why you're here. Because if, if your pastor was so great, you would be back with him still. Oh, hello. Some of y'all thought that was too sassy. I'm going to say it again. Well, that's not what my other pastor said. Well, he ain't such a good pastor because you're here this morning. If he was such a fancy pants, he would, you'd be over there. So since you're here, your pastor, this one, is saying it's all right. Now, you can get mad if you want, storm and walk out. That's okay. Number three, Jesus, our greatest example. Everybody say Jesus. Now, here's the problem with people that think the abstention point of view. If you're more wiser than Jesus, that's a problem because Jesus made wine at the wedding. So imagine Jesus at the wedding. He's not sucking on lemons. He's having a good time. They run out of wine, and what does Jesus do? He makes barrels of it. Now, this is a problem for people who think that drinking results in drunkenness because now you would say Jesus is responsible for people getting drunk. No, he's not. Jesus gave you a private part. Is he responsible for your adultery and your fornication? Jesus gave you money. Is he responsible for your greed and you wasting it? Jesus gave you a head. Is he responsible if you bang it against that brick wall? No, he's giving the wine to the guests in the understanding of do it responsibly. And if you don't do it responsibly, don't blame me because I just made it to be enjoyed. Now, at this time, 
What did people say to Jesus? Guess what they called Jesus? Turn with me to Luke chapter 7 as, as Vinny comes, or Rachel rather, comes, please. Remember, I got a good altar call here, okay? It's not about coming to the barkeep, you know. I have another. No, this is going to be a great altar call. Hang in here. Even if you don't always agree with this, it's okay. Hang in there with me. At least give you something to think about, you know. Luke chapter 7, verse 34. Now, at this point, when you hear about your pastor calling all alcohol the same and giving permission, according to the Bible, to drink it all the same unless you get drunk, the moment you see me or one of my pastors begin to drink, what are you probably going to say? I only hear this from Christians, by the way. Oh, you're a drunkard now. Look at you. You're going to get drunk, huh? Look at you. You're going to get drunk. You're going to get drunk. Look what they said to Jesus. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread or drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. So John the Baptist came, and he wasn't partying. He was hanging out somewhere in the wilderness with long, scary hair, wearing, wearing camel skin, you know what I'm saying, eating locusts and wild honey. And they're like, man, you are out your mind, John. Now Jesus, the Son of Man, comes. What does he come doing? Eating and drinking. And you say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children, which means wisdom is proved right by your actions. Yes, your Lord and Savior. Let me, give you, let me blow your mind a little bit about Jesus. First of all, Jesus didn't use toilet paper. Did you all know that? Sometimes we think of Jesus, blonde hair, medieval, you know, Jesus, he uses toilet paper, he has perfume on, you know, he smells wonderful, he has, uh, you know, suave shampoo or whatever. No, no, no. Jesus lived in the ancient times in the Middle East, didn't use toilet paper. So Jesus did some stuff maybe you think is weird. Jesus then also ate with his hands, you know that? Jesus didn't use silverware. If you would sit down with Jesus and you had a bowl of rice, he would take rice with his hand like this. This is how he would eat his rice. Right? Jesus also sat and ate and drank with people. And when they mocked him, that didn't make him stop. Because, going now towards the closing, he's preparing a wedding feast for us. He started in a wedding, he's ending in a wedding. And when he wasn't rebuking people, when he wasn't healing people, he was enjoying fellowship with his people. And one day we'll be in heaven and there'll be no more demons to cast out, no more sick people to heal, and we'll enjoy the food and the drink of heaven. And how I want to end today's message is, I want to ask you to consider the moderation point of view, to better study the Bible and understand who Jesus is. But all of us, even if we don't agree with that today, and I hope you would study it and not just say, I disagree because I didn't hear that before. No, if you really disagree, myself and the elders here will answer questions and study it out through the Bible with you. But even then, I want us to close with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Hear me today, my friends. I am not saying that alcohol makes me happy and fulfills my life. I am not saying that I need alcohol to be a good dad, to enjoy my children, to enjoy my friendship with you. 
just like I don't need pizza to do that either. And all of us who enjoy alcohol in moderation, we all know that there's that temptation to have that next one to get a little tipsy. Because sometimes we had a hard day at work and we're relaxed and then we now just want to go that next level and push it and, and, and break God's command because you know what? We deserve it. We deserve to forget about our troubles like that poor man that Proverbs talked about. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, do not get drunk on wine. It doesn't say don't drink wine. It says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I want to encourage you, if you drink or you don't drink, get filled with the Spirit of God. And let him satisfy you. Children, listen to me. Yes, I can go out today and enjoy a drink. But it's nothing like the drink you can have here right now. You're not missing out on anything. It's just like, oh, I can't wait till I'm 16 and get a car. And then you're 16 and it goes away. Oh, I can't wait till I'm 18 and I graduate school. And then you're 18 and it goes away. Listen to me, young people. Life is always chasing a dream you never get until you get Jesus. And then when you get Jesus, the dream is with you always. So if you don't have Jesus, you're always chasing that thing of happiness. I'll be happy when I go to college. I'll be happy when I do this. And you see these college students throwing away their life with drugs and alcohol. It's not worth it, my friends. Let us drink deeply of the Spirit of God. Let us be reminded that, yes, wine has a temporal benefit, but it's not our source. Our source is the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to answer these questions in closing now. I hope that you enjoyed today's message. Was that was it okay? Amen. We're clapping for Jesus, right? Uh, somebody asked a question, is being tipsy or buzz two different things? You know, it just depends who you're talking to and what they define it as. But everybody knows there's a difference between being drunk and feeling the effects of alcohol. I believe the feeling of effects of alcohol in moderation is what the Bible says is a gladdened heart. So, yeah, I think it, you know, just like caffeine might speed you up a little bit, alcohol might make you a little giddy, but I don't call that drunkenness. Drunkenness is a totally different thing. Now, somebody may call what I'm calling a glad heart a, a bit buzzed. Okay, call it that. But if in your mind you're using that as an excuse to keep drinking and abusing that, just come drink around me and I'll let you know if you're drunk or not, okay? Because I'll call you out on it. I ain't cool with you saying the church lets you do that, right? So if you got any questions, just come buy some drinks for me and we'll hang out and I'll let you know when you go too far, okay? All right. The same person, what about being tipsy? You know, there's like, you know, people are like, well, I'm tipsy, I ain't drunk. Okay, you know, the bottom line is if you're slurring your speech, if you're not responsible and you're off into a different kind of a personality. You're not your normal self. I don't care what you call it. The Bible calls it drunkenness. And I think that sometimes, like I said, people use the word tipsy to just say, I'm not drunk, I'm tipsy. And we got to understand that there's a big denial in alcoholism too, right? They deny it. So once again, drink with some responsible people and they'll let you know. Hey, here's another question. How about this for some people asking this? What's gossip? What's the difference between gossip and a prayer request? What's the difference between me going to Lauren? Lauren, we need to pray for Melissa because she lost her baby. Or me going to Lauren. Lauren, we need to pray for Melissa because she lost her baby. 
See, you can say the same thing with a different heart. One could be like trying to spread gossip. Like, oh, did you hear this? Another one is saying, could you pray for this? See, God determines in our heart what we mean by what we do. And it's the same thing with being tipsy and drunk. All Christians here have the Holy Spirit. What's the difference between saying, oh, that's a pretty young lady, or I'm lusting after that lady? God knows your heart. And if you're around other dudes and we see you looking at that woman, I'll call you out on it. You may get away with that with your wife and say, oh, I was just looking, honey. You know she's pretty too. No, no, no. I'll call you out because there, there's a lot. And if you need help with that line, Christians will help you know the line of drunkenness, the line of gossip, the line of bitterness, the line of anger. There's a whole lot of things we're supposed to avoid in that list, right? We'll help you to do that, Christians. But I think, you know, the most important person is the Holy Ghost. How do you know how much your drinking limit is if you've never been drunk? Well, I think if you always drink responsibly, you'll know what your comfort zone is. And like I said, if you go too far, you'll be like, I shouldn't have did that. And, that's, and that's, that's basically how it is. But also on our uh, website, we actually have the blood alcohol level index there. You put in your weight, your gender, your age, and they say, this is probably about how much you can handle. That's probably where you're at. And if you enjoy alcohol, you'll probably know where that's at. For me, being a Christian, having drank for the last two years, there's been a few times where I've been out and we've been having fun and maybe I wasn't paying attention, and all of a sudden I realized, okay, I'm close to that line right now. Okay, I get it. Because I used to drink and abuse alcohol and do drugs when I was 18 years old, you know. So we're hanging out, we're drinking, we're doing our thing, and I'm like, cool. Or we're going to another place now. And it's like, well, okay, there's the line. I'm going to stop now. I, I very well know where that line is. Once again, you don't know where that line is. You cross it one time, you repent, you get right with God. You don't think you'll, you know, you, you, you can't do that right, then don't do it. If you're not smart enough to figure that out, then don't do it. Don't blame being drunk while just figuring it out, Pastor. No, you are an idiot. You know, you're dumb. Well, I was taking four shots to figure out when my limit was. Jesus, give that stuff to me. Stop using and, stop using and abusing that stuff, getting us all in trouble. Amen. Well, Pastor said I could get drunk. Now, by the way, all my drunk people are southern people. Beer, you know, drunk. So that's it, you know. But anyway, well, Pastor said I could get drunk. No, he didn't. Pastor said if you get drunk, you go to hell. Okay? All right. Let's all stand up. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. Amen? Oh, man. That went about as well as I thought it was. What's our next subject? Can we put it up there? What's the next one? What is the next one? Help me, Jesus, to let that week come quickly. Pornography. Yeah, that would be an easy one. That would be super-duper easy. There will be no awkwardness in that. <laughs> oh, then comes immigration. Oh, super. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> yeah. So this is, we. by the way, we set ourselves up. Altar workers, band, would you come, please? We did this on purpose. We really. I know I'm teasing, but no, we did this on purpose to make these hot topics hot is anybody else a little hot right a little hot little weird that was weird church talked about drinking pastor told me he liked patrol now i know what to get him for his birthday it's weird well here's a good altar call the altar call is this number one if you have abused alcohol can we pray for you today can we pray for you to get set free from that if you're someone that's really known the line and you keep crossing that line, can we pray? Number two, if you have been hurt because of alcohol in your family, and that's part of the reason why you're serving Jesus today, maybe you're like my nephews 
who lost somebody you loved because they didn't know how to control their alcohol? If my nephew was here, I would say, can we pray for you today? Can we pray for God to heal you? Can we pray for God to encourage you? And then lastly, can I pray for anyone here today that says, Pastor, alcohol, whatever, but I just want more of Jesus and his spirit. Before you leave out here today, you heard us having fun. We were joking around. But you're really just in your heart. You're just thirsty for God. Can we open up the window of God's bar today and pour out the Spirit on your life and pray for you? Can we just close our eyes in, in, in closing? Lord, I pray that no one got a message today to glorify alcohol, to get drunk, to do dumb things. But, Lord, I pray that we learned how to properly interpret your Bible and now, Lord, how to live holy. And I pray if anyone's been hurt from alcohol, either themselves or what others have done to them, they will come up and be healed by your love today. And for all those who are thirsty in their soul, and they know alcohol doesn't satisfy, they know they could drink it all night long and they would still not change. But, Lord, your spirit satisfies. Your Holy Spirit brings joy. Joy that doesn't come in a bottle. Joy that doesn't leave them sick the day after. Lord, I pray for all those who are just needing another dose of the Holy Ghost. We'll receive it today and enjoy this three-day weekend in peace and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Can everybody say amen? Would you bless them one more time? We love you. Slap your neighbor high five and say, use it, don't abuse it. You are dismissed. If you need prayer, come on up. Even if you need prayer for anything, come on up. The band is going to worship. Let us pray for you today for any of your needs. If you have more questions, I'll be hanging out as well. Thank you. Come on, let's just worship Jesus. This is a Holy Ghost party. Oh, yes. Oh, here in your love. Oh, there's no place I would rather be. Come on, just sing that again. There's no place. One more time. There's no place. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's sing the verse. Take us there. Praise God. Set a fire, Jesus. Praise the Lord.